Hello and welcome to episode four of That's a Great Question, a new podcast from the Sydney University Evangelical Union, where we answer your big questions about Jesus, the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host for today, Kirsten, and this is a new initiative, so we would love your feedback. And we would also love for you to submit your own questions to be answered in future episodes. You can do both of these things by going to euonline.org.au slash podcast. That's euonline.org.au slash podcast. And if you like this podcast, we would love for you to tell your friends about it. This episode, we are answering some questions on the topic of mental health. Answering our questions today, we have Katie. Hello, Katie. Hi, how are you going? I'm good. How are you? I am great today. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this topic. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, So let's get stuck into it. Um, Our first question today is, is worrying sinful? Mm, That's a great question. (laughs) So is worrying sinful? My initial answer is it can be, but it isn't always. So I think we probably need to talk a bit more about the question before we kind of fully answer it so uh, my first question in thinking about is worrying sinful is to think well what is sin to Mm. say if something is sinful or not we need to think about what do we mean by sin if we're saying whether or not something's sinful so um, I found a definition from the evangelical dictionary of biblical theology and it says the bible typically describes sin negatively it's lawlessness disobedience impiety unbelief, distrust, darkness as opposed to light, a failing away as opposed to standing firm, weakness, not strength, it's unrighteousness, faithlessness. So that's there's a lot of stuff there, but mm. um, I think it's good for us to think about sin as forgetting that God is God and living like he is not God, rejecting him, rebelling against him as God and Lord and ruler. So um, have you heard definitions of sin like that before? Yeah, I think that makes sense to define sin as, yeah, not recognizing or remembering that God is God and acting as if he is not God. Or acting as if we're God, that we're rejecting his rulership and putting little crowns on our own heads to make ourselves God. Um, So I think if we think that's what sin is, and then if we think, well, what is worry? Um, Various definitions of it, but it, it kind of go with dwelling on things that leave us anxious or apprehensive Mm. um does that resonate with you yeah i think that's definitely what worrying feels like is dwelling on things that you feel like you might not have control over or maybe you do but things that have got you yeah unsure or anxious about how things are going to go yeah so all that uncertainty anxiety worry concern kind of spectrum of those feelings um so when we worry about things is that sinful so i think when i said it can be is that if we are worrying excessively about something um and concerned and forgetting that god is in control of this world and thinking that we are the sole ones responsible for bringing that about um and not bringing anything to him in prayer then yeah, I think that can be sinful. But I think that there are plenty of times that people worry about things um, and it's different. There's a difference between the emotion you're having having and the response you take to that. So like feeling uncertain about things 
is different to whether you are taking that uncertainty and those emotions to God and trusting that he is in control despite your feelings or whether you just dwell in those feelings and lose the trust that God is in control of the situation. Yeah, so I think it's not whether or not we worry, but it's what we do with our worries that changes whether or not that is sinful. And also it's um, if what we're doing in response to our worry – what that reflects on where God's, God is in in our heart. Is mm. God at the centre of our heart in that or is something else displaced God at the centre of our heart in how we respond to a concern or, or a worry that we have? So um, I think it's just good to remember that worry can distort our perception of God and um, maybe um, it's easy to forget that God is in control. Uh, And so that's why it's important for us to remind ourselves regularly, to preach the gospel to ourselves and remind us of his control. And I think that can bring great comfort to us as followers of Jesus to remember that God is sovereign and in control so that we can bring our worries and concerns to him because that's what he wants us to do. Uh, The Bible talks about worry quite a few times um, and the fact that God tells us what to do with our worries tells us he expects us to be worried and mm. to face concerns and troubles in our life. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so easy to feel like we're the ones in control. Um, I think this year has been a really good wake-up call that we're not in control of everything, but For it's actually sure. God who's yeah. in control. And, yeah, when we have things we're worrying about, it's him who we should be turning to. Yeah, and I think when it's something like... Um, like a pandemic that just makes us realize so powerfully how much we don't have in our control it really drives us to our knees in prayer to make sure that we are bringing everything that we can to God um, and remembering that we can't change um, so many things remembering how small we are and how big God is and how sovereign he is but there are some things that um, people can Um, misunderstand in how the Bible talks about worry. So one of the most famous passages about worry is Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says um, in the Sermon on the Mount, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Um, and it goes on. But um, there are so many truths in that, um, that. And it does say, do not worry. And so I think that's a reminder to us to think about, well, when we are worried, how can we bring our cares to God, knowing that he is in control and that he desires to give us um, good things and he cares for us. And... Um, he does remind us that we can't by worrying at a single hour to our lives. Um, But he knows that we will worry. He knows that we will be concerned about these things. Um, And he wants to remind us when we are feeling that way, when we feel anxious and concerned and worried um, of the goodness of God, that he cares for his creatures, who he has made in his image, that he loves us and he wants to provide and he will provide and he has um, provided eternal hope um, which gives us comfort in the here and now that we experience you can get a bit meta at that point when oh, you know, oh the bible says not to worry but now i'm worried 
yeah, <laughs> that definitely. I'm, that I'm worrying too much. <laughs> Have you ever oh, felt like 100% that? Oh, 100% had that worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worry about worrying. Yeah. And it feels like at that point um, that there's – how do you get out of that worry spiral of yeah. then worrying about worrying? When we're in that worry spiral, there are a few things that we can remind ourselves from God's truth about um, what to do in those moments. Um, when so, um, the Bible has lots to say. So I think the main thing is to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. So throughout the Old Testament, God told his people to write the truths of what God has done on the door frames, on their walls, tell it to their children. And in the New Testament, that's what the apostles were all on about, telling people of the goodness of God. And I think this is a truth to almost any concern that we have in our lives is to make sure that we are preaching the gospel to ourselves and reminding ourselves of what God has done because that makes um, corrects our hearts where our hearts might be misplaced. So um, placing something else at the centre of our hearts. And so by continuing to preach the gospel to ourselves, that makes helps us respond well to our worries and bring them to God uh, rather than leaving God out of the equation. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and I think just remembering some of those truths from Matthew 6 that uh, by worrying we can't add a single hour to our life, I think that's quite a stark um, thing to say that Jesus says there, but there's truth to it. It's hard to believe sometimes when you're in a worry spiral um, that there's this can't achieve something, but um, let God's word remind us that we can't change um, those things uh, and so just to bring them to God uh, and also remembering that um, it, later on in Matthew 6 it says um, for the pagans run after these things so it says don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink what shall we wear the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them so people who don't know God that's what it means by pagans people who don't know God pursue these things what they need and provisions rather than seeking God. And so uh, what we need to be reminded of is um, that this, when we only worry without bringing our worries to God, that is a way that people who don't know God act. So let's act as God's people and bring our worries and concerns to him. And it also says in that section to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And it says, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I think that's just such a classic Jesus thing to say about the kingdom of God. Yeah. So at Ancon this year, um, earlier we were talking about that the kingdom of God, the first will be last and the last will be first. Uh, it's just such a backwards, upside down way to think about the world. Um, and I think um, when Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, that's maybe not what our human instincts are to do, but Jesus wants us to seek his kingdom first and then he'll provide those things that we need um, in this life, but also in eternity where we have our hope. Um, yeah, I think our sinful hearts are prone to like thinking about ourselves first and worrying about things that you know we yeah we can't control and worrying about material things on this earth but mm. yeah jesus points out that like the ultimate important thing is about um you know god's kingdom and that is certain and that is something we don't have to worry about so all these mm. smaller things mm. are really insignificant and don't 
deserve our like distress and worry Mm. um, when yeah all the important things are certain and we don't need to worry about those because God is good yeah it's sometimes easy to say that but if you're in the middle of worrying to say oh your worries are insignificant that can be really hard to hear um, when you're like but I am actually really worried (laughs) really worried about this assessment or this relationship or this pandemic like those worries are real uh, Mm. but then it's also understanding our our creatureliness in the midst of those worries and where we stand so um, yeah um, some other tips and things that we can do is when we seek God in our worry what we do with that so turn it in those worries into prayers and or maybe into songs so the the old testament in the psalms in particular are full of psalms of lament people crying out to god in grief and pain and worry and sadness and just being really real with god in their emotions and so um, that's something that we can do with those feelings when we feel torn and ripped apart um and not sure what to do with those worries turn them into worship turn our worries into worship so that um that is definitely not sinful when we turn those worries that we have into worship towards god that is what he wants us to do with it so yeah Yeah, i think it's really easy to like beat ourselves up and feel guilty about having an emotional response to whatever situation is happening but it's about yeah what we do with those emotions and yeah, it's really comforting seeing all the various people throughout the Bible and especially in the Psalms taking mm. their emotions, good and bad, and bringing them to God and finding comfort in God. Yeah, sometimes I read the Psalms and I'm like, oh, you can't say that to God. But then it's right there in the Bible that people yeah. are bringing such real emotions to yeah, God. Yeah, even Jesus on the cross saying, why have you forsaken me? Like yeah. that's a, a pretty big emotion to be having, but he's yeah. taking it to God because he knows he can trust his Father. Yeah, and I guess Jesus brings his anguish to the father as turning his worry into worship I guess to use what I was just saying before and I think the second part of that is like we see this in not all but a lot of the lament psalms is that at the end there's this joyful thankfulness um, that they have because they've lamented but then they've reminded themselves in the process of doing that of who God is because they've turned their worry into worship and they've turned their eyes to the father and that causes them to then sing out in praise and that matches what Uh, Paul says in Philippians, where another famous passage about worry, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Uh, And so I guess he's consistent there with what the psalmists were doing in their um, anxiousness to bring those situations to God um, with thanksgiving. So I think thanksgiving is a great antidote to anxiety and to worry, uh, and it reminds us of things to be thankful for. Um, Even through this pandemic, lots of non-Christian sources and places are saying, practice thankfulness. This is a great thing to be doing in this time to help you. Um, It's nothing new. God was telling his people to do it centuries and centuries ago to be thankful but this is being thankful to him for what he's done for us and that we can come to him and turn our worries into worship and the second part the verse 7 of philippians 4 says after that the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus and i think the truth of this passage is sometimes misheard people just hear the word peace and go god will give me peace But actually, that's not what it says. It says the peace of God. That's God's peace 
is powerful and his peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we not, might not be feeling that peace, but know that God's peace, which is powerful and transcends understanding, is protecting us, guarding us um, when we come to him with our prayers and petitions and thankfulness uh, that he guards us in Christ Jesus because he is stronger and mightier than anything we could ever be. Uh, so that is a great comfort to us it's so good (laughs) yeah and i I think the the fact that the word peace is there that people are just waiting to feel peace i think we do so often feel peace in response to our prayers but make sure we read the passage for what it says and see what god's promises really are which are often better than what our minds think they are in the first place anyway the peace that transcends understanding we can't even comprehend (laughs) the peace that's coming no no wonder we could get it confused right Uh, and one of the last, last things in that is to just um, often when we're um, worried about things, our worries about what are we going to do, what are we going to say, um, rather than worry about the what, worry about, uh, think about the who. Um, mm. Who will sustain us? Who has done these things? Who's loved us? Who has rescued us? Who will provide? Who Who is with me in this moment? And often the answer to that is God is with us by his spirit. Um and 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. One of my favorite verses. <laughs> um, but yeah, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is just such a powerful truth to cling on to, such a powerful truth to yeah. cling on to, that he cares for you. He wants us to cast our cares on him, even if there's silly little worries or like crazy thoughts that maybe aren't crazy but you know our anxious thoughts that we think nobody wants to hear these thoughts god wants to hear them he says cast them all unto me i care for you you're my child and i love you and i want to hear what's going on for you and i want you to be comforted by my truths by my love and by my spirit with you Mm -hmm. um so um, there's some powerful truths. Now, this all this time we've been talking about worry, but I just wanted to add um, that sometimes worry does become chronic and controlling and can change and be something different, which would be anxiety and an anxiety disorder. So an anxiety disorder is something that is diagnosed and it's more than just feeling stressed or worried about things. Uh, and it causes some very uncomfortable feelings or fears or beliefs that something maybe something terrible is about to happen and it triggers all our stress responses in our body and it can be very very powerful and difficult Uh, and that kind of worry and anxiety can continue even when you know those things aren't rational and so anxiety um, is common Um, it's I think I would I want to say it's not normal, but it is common mm. and um, it's something that you can get help for and you can go to your GP and that there is uh, treatments for a diagnosed anxiety disorder um, that include things like medication and therapy and learning coping strategies and lots of treatments uh, that can, medical professions can provide. But at the same time, these truths that I've spoken about from God's word can still speak into your situation. And I think anxiety, when someone has an anxiety disorder, that's very complicated um, and different to normal worry that we've been talking about here. Yeah, definitely. And that's actually a really good transition into our next question, uh, which is quite broad. It's what are your thoughts on Christianity and mental health, for example, depression and anxiety? Um, that is a vast question. What are my thoughts? I have many thoughts on this and um, 
uh, I'd love to have a chat with the person who submitted this question because um, I, I, don't, I almost don't know where to go with it in some ways because if you asked me this in person, I would say, wow, that's a great question. What makes you ask that? What's behind that? Um, yeah, like there... what have you got going on? <laughs> who do you know that's struggling with that? Yeah. Are you struggling with that? And yeah, yeah really speak specifically to someone's situation. Yeah. It's quite oh, hard when it it's is, broad. Yeah, and maybe someone's heard someone say something about it uh, or they're wondering, um, is that true? What What does the Bible have to say about it? Um, how do we live with these things? What does the Bible have to say about medication? I don't know. I've had all different questions like that we've mm. had before, but... I've heard before. Um, so it is a tricky issue, um, but I've got a few thoughts. Um, so we can have a bit of a chat about it. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and um, see where we go. I think um, the first thing I wanted to say, which is sort of similar to the end of my previous question, is that mental illness is real and that there is professional help available. So it's like um, a any illness that you need treatment and help for. Another thing is that Christians aren't immune. Uh, Christians aren't immune from mental health challenges. We shouldn't assume that we should be in any way. Um, one in two people uh, in a lifetime will have a mental health concern. Uh, one in five, sometimes one in four um, across a 12-month period, one in, four, one in five people will have a mental health concern. And I would say, considering the year that's been with 2020, with COVID, that number is probably even higher than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely hitting a lot of people this year. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and I think also that uh, the experience is tricky because mental illness isn't as obvious as a physical ailment. So it is a medical thing, but um, because um, people might be suffering things like lack of energy or feelings of hopelessness, it can be quite chronic and debilitating to have a mental illness. And it's something that's hidden and obviously you can't see it. You're not walking around with crutches and so like you would if you have a broken leg. So um, we want to make sure that we are being caring towards people who are suffering with mental illness. Um, yeah, I guess knowing that it could be anyone around you dealing with that and you can't necessarily see it. Like we don't have magical mental illness detectors where no. we can see which of our people we care about have that like serious concerns going on. It's often really invisible. Yeah, it's only when you talk to people often that you find out those things. And this year has been full of isolation and maybe not having those conversations and not recognising um, how people are going in the same way that we would if we were seeing them face to face in person. So... Um, I th another thing is that um, it um, we really need to be careful, I think, to make sure that we don't identify mental illness as something like demonic possession or a judgment on sin. I've definitely um, heard people do that before. Yeah, it's. I think it could be a dangerous thing to do. I think um, there's a danger to over-spiritualise mental illness um, and also sometimes to dismiss it as not real, uh, which is really unhelpful because then those people don't get the care or the treatment that they need and it can make those mental illness challenges even worse and more complicated. So um, I think that that's something as Christians that we don't want to do. I think that I personally think that it is real, I think. But at the same time, um, I would also say that mental illness and the challenges that people face it is a part of the fall and a consequence of sin in the world just like medical illness and viruses are a consequence of the fall and sin in the world that we have sickness and death and crying and pain those things are a consequence of the fall 
likewise i would say that mental health does illness is a consequence of the fall but i wouldn't say to someone who's suffering with depression oh this is because of your sin that you're suffering with this yeah it's like a fault of the fact that there's sin in the world in general it's not a fault of any person's individual sin exactly i think yeah um in the like we see that in the bible when I can't remember the passage. I'm sure we'll look it up later. Where um, some people ask Jesus, this blind man, is he blind because of his own sin or is he blind because of his parents' sin? And Jesus says, well, he's blind so that the glory of God can be seen. Mm. I bet that's not what the people were expecting to hear, right? Definitely not. Yeah. So, um, and I think that trying to uh, attest blame to someone or something about why has this happened often that's a question that people ask and the answer often is we don't know there are Mm. risk factors that might contribute to things but there are genetic factors there are there are environmental factors but I think ultimately it's because we live in a fallen world and um, we um, recognize that and so when we live in a fallen world, we look around and we see all the things that are happening in the world, that people are struggling with anguish in their minds about like the mental health problems that they might be having or that people that they love are struggling with. And when we see that, it makes us go, this isn't right. Yeah. Something has to be like, what can be done about this? Like this isn't who we were made to be. God mm. made us in his image to be image bearers. We think back to the garden and I bet that, you know, before the fall there would not have been mental health challenges. But yeah. we live in this fallen world and I think remembering that when we look around and go, this isn't how it's meant to be, that's our heart's longing for the restoration that Jesus brings uh, in what he has done on the cross. And I think Satan wants to draw us away from God and to cause us to doubt and cause us to give up on him. Um, but that's not what God wants. And Jesus has come into the world to do something about it. And he's given us hope that this world that we live in isn't this broken world is not our final destination. And Jesus came and he lived a fully human life and he understands our frailties Um He knows us in every way. He was like us, fully human in every way, but was without sin. Uh, He experienced anguish and he suffered. And he suffered for you and for me, for us, so that we can have hope. Hope of a life without pain, without broken lives, without illness, without tears and suffering. That we have promise of new life, uh, of resurrection bodies. And I think resurrection minds that and hearts that aren't broken. We have a glorious hope in the gospel that Jesus gives us um, to look forward to with comfort um, Mm. for us as we look forward to that. And that glorious hope um, gives us glimmers of the future and a comfort for our dark days. And I say glorious hope, but we might not feel like that. We might not be feeling glorious hope, but we have a glorious hope to comfort us in those moments where we might be struggling. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, one of the characteristic things of mental illness is you logically know something, but your emotions aren't matching up with it. So you can logically know that you have this hope in Jesus, but you Mm. still feel down and sad and depressed. But yeah, that hope is really important because it can, you know, be part of what together with other things pulls you out of it like Mm. even in therapy having something to hope in is one of the things that you know Mm. secular therapy teaches you as part of your way of coping with your mental illness Mm. and 
And as I, Christians, we can't have a greater hope. Yeah, we than have anything. the best hope possible. Yeah, it's so strong and so sure, and our hope cannot be shaken, mm. even when our emotions don't match with it. We yeah. have that hope there to lean on. I think that disconnect of emotions not matching our um, things we know to be true can be really disorienting as well. Mm. Um, but I think it's important to know that facts um, and feelings are different and. Um, I think we often are driven by our feelings um, rather than and respond to them first and then when facts are different we go oh well I feel different to that so that fact must be wrong but um, actually to pin down the truths and the facts of the gospel to make sure that we are responding to them rather than responding firstly to our feelings not ignoring our feelings but um, knowing that feelings change but the truths and facts of the gospel don't yeah um so yeah um there's a few other things in just like thinking about my thoughts about christianity and mental health um so i think as i said before it is a medical thing so we need the help of medical doctors and professionals and psychologists but also spiritual resources of the gospel to make sure uh, that we are emotionally and spiritually healthy as we seek to have mental health we want to provide spiritual health to go along with that as well and I think as part of God's church as well we want to be part of changing the stigma of mental illness and um, caring for people in our lives and in our church communities who uh, are struggling with those things Um, and just remembering that humans are really complex um, and uh, just being really careful and loving with our words um, knowing that we don't want to be overly simplistic with people but we just want to care for them where they're at as well yeah definitely we want to make our churches and our eu and all our other christian communities places where people feel they can share what they're struggling with and can go to their christian brothers and sisters for help and for guidance um yeah, that yeah. they're there to speak to and they're yeah. yeah people who are not going to stigmatize and judge people you for struggling with your emotions because it's part of the world that we live in and there probably are heaps of other people in the same room struggling if we look at those stats there are some things that we could do to make sure that we are responding well and caring for the people in our communities Mm. Um, so one thing is that we could be informed we can learn a bit about mental illness and common um common illnesses like depression and anxiety um, and things around us. There's lots of resources that we could look at. Yeah, I recently did for one of my OLE subjects, I did anxiety and related disorders and I found it super interesting and super informative and it made me definitely understand it a heap more. There you go. Through our uni, we can be educated in it. Even if you're not doing psychology, you can learn these subjects and um, be informed. Um, Another thing is just make sure that we're listening to and validating and asking questions of people. So um, it's common to struggle with mental health. And so like the stats I said before, one in four people in any 12 months will have some mental health concern. So, um, but on the other side of that is to know your limits and don't feel like you have to take on the burden of fixing people. Be a brother or sister in Christ, be a friend um, and encourage them to seek advice and seek help, help go to their GP or see a psychologist or a trained train counsellor and to maybe be the person to help them make that appointment or connect into them with those services if that's what they need. 
Yeah, definitely. You can go with your friend to, to their GP appointment if they need that support. Yeah, and maybe that, that will be all the help they need. You don't have to have magical words, just be there with them and be a loving friend. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that's helpful to remember is to not be too quick um, with biblical truths. They, um, I really want to make sure people speak God's truth into any situation, but sometimes out of context, a biblical truth can sound trite uh, when it's offered without true understanding. So um, I'm sure like someone who was worrying, being told, oh, don't worry about anything, bring it to God. Um, that is a biblical truth that I want to affirm. But maybe someone who's really struggling with anxiety in that moment really needs um, some context. And maybe a good tip in that situation is to say, is it okay if I um, tell you a verse from the Bible right now? right now and they might say yes and then you have free license to go for it um but if they say no i'm not ready for that right now then maybe you can ask say oh that's okay when you're ready like i'd love to chat with you about that so i think we want to make sure that when people hear god's word that they um they know that that's coming and that they're ready for it yeah i think yeah letting people set their own boundaries on what they are ready for at that moment what they're ready to hear from you whether they want advice and help or whether they just want someone to listen I think yeah it's really important to be what people need but not be overstepping yeah Um, and yeah just making sure that we um caring for people where they're at and in how they need like um though that can be hard for a person who's in who's struggling they might not know what they want or need uh, so it's good to just ask those questions of them yeah. um and just also if you're someone who is a just such a carer and you're just caring for other people all the time to make sure that you're caring for yourself because it can be really taxing to listen to other people's troubles um so um find ways if possible to debrief in a healthy way uh, with someone um to make sure that you're caring for yourself and not um having Um, vicarious trauma maybe through someone else who you're caring for yeah definitely if you're dealing with all the people you care about having their own troubles and hearing all about it it can you know cause uh stress in yourself um and you know therapists have their own therapists because they have to listen to people's problems and help them sort through that all day and so they need to debrief to someone and we should you know do the same thing if we're listening to people's problems we should make sure that we're debriefing and keeping our own minds healthy in that process yeah and obviously honoring and not divulging confidentiality but just recognizing um the taxing nature that it can be to care for people in that way um Mm. i once had a massage and the lady told me that she got massages to relieve all the tension that she got in her arms from massaging other people and so i kind of think it's a bit like that same thing like if we are caring and helping relieve people of their burdens and pains then maybe we need some help in doing that as well so definitely yeah a bit like that um and i just as a final thing i wanted to give us a bit of a vision for um, how the church as a community of grace can be such um, a resource to people who are struggling with mental illness. I th- uh, there's, I think because of what we as God's people have to offer, we have community of grace and of love and a community of hope, uh, a community where we're reminded that there is um, a God who loves us more than we love ourselves uh, and that we know that we are lost sheep, but Jesus is our good shepherd, that together we can help one another. Mm. And um, much of what we have as God's people, the church, 
um, is often what people with mental illness need. We've not always done a perfect job of that. And so we as individuals want to contribute to a really positive environment that can care for people um, with uh, mental health concerns. So uh, be a community that prays for people and acknowledges those struggles that people have and are aware of what's going on with people when they're vulnerable and um, yeah, to share one another's burdens. So making sure that we can um, yeah, foster the kinds of friendships where you can ask, are you okay and really mean it and ask those kinds of questions. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for all your thoughts, Katie. Is there anything else you wanna um, add? <laughs> I think I just wanna make sure that we um, trust in God's provision for us in caring for people as well and making sure that uh, I, I'm thinking about when Jesus says, um, come to me all who are weary um, and burdened and I will give you rest. Uh, and I think uh, that's a great truth for people who have any illness, uh, whether that's um, mental health illness or those who are caring for them, that um, Jesus uh, wants us to come near to him. Yeah, definitely. Let's come near to Jesus. So thank you for all your thoughts. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening to That's a Great Question. We'll be welcoming Katie back next week for another final question on the topic of mental health. Um, we'd love you to submit your questions to euonline.org.au slash podcast. This podcast is produced by the Sydney University Evangelical Union, a student club on campus at the University of Sydney that proclaims Jesus as Lord. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.